Good day, everyone. This is the Vince and Bill Show, minus the Vince. Yep. <laughs> My name is Bill Molden, and across from me again is the ever-impressive Jeffrey Hughes. Uh, you know, I don't know about all that, but I'm happy to be here. <laughs> all right. Well, Jeff, we uh, we had uh, a fantastic worship service today and uh, had a great time uh, with, uh, with everyone uh, you know, it's uh, for me. This is going to be my last Sunday with the the Gateway City Church for three and a half months uh, because Man. I have been blessed with a sabbatical. Um, can't wait to go figure out what it even means to really rest. But uh, but man, <laughs> what were your thoughts about uh, service today, dude? Uh, service was awesome. I think this is uh, definitely one to remember. <laughs> with you uh with you leaving i think the way that you and this is something i always appreciate about what you what you do or what you bring when you preach is how you make the scriptures come alive and how you bring the history into it and just really uh talking about how paul used used the uh culture of the you know of athens to really show them the gospel and brought the gospel straight to them is very uh very good very uh, impactful yeah, and uh, I appreciate that. You know, one of the things that um, that I think is important is that today during my sermon, I actually got to unpack uh, something that was written by one of the historians from like the third century BC. Um, actually, it might be a little bit closer to uh, it, it may even be third century AD. I'm not really sure. Third century is somewhere in there. But anyway, one of the ancient historians of the city of Athens wrote this incredible statement about the unknown God. Uh, and I was able to kind of unpack that. And basically, the long story short, although I do think you should listen to the sermon, the long story short is that uh, uh, Athens at one time was under siege by some sort of pestilence, some sort of pandemic that was bringing about a lot of death. But it was rescued, according to the Athenians and according to history, by Epimendes. Um, he came and told them to release uh, sheep uh, into the city, and wherever that she- wherever the sheep decided to lay down to make a sacrifice there of the sheep uh, and to build an altar uh, without without a name. And so, all over the city of Athens, there were altars built to an unknown god. And according to uh, Athenian legend, the the pestilence, the pandemic ended. And so we have a city whose, whose entire existence owes itself to the sacrifice and the blood of sheep, or to use biblical mm. terms, the blood of the lamb. And I talked mm. about what a great use of Paul to get to know this, this, uh, this altar to an unknown God, find out its history and go, well, what you don't know is that there is a God who didn't just come and save your city once. He's here to save you individually. So that was a lot of fun to be able to unpack that with everyone. Yeah, and seeing Paul's example, it really that really preaches because you think about, you know, when we meet people, when we talk to people, you know, or when we want to share the gospel, you know, it can often be intimidating. You can right. often think to yourself, how how can I do this? Or like how can I I don't know scriptures well enough. Or I don't know. But I think that as we get to know people, 
and we get to see how you know the the nuggets and and uh, the breadcrumbs of God's you know influence in their life, and they're able to you know kind of speak to you know what they've already experienced. I think we'll be able to share the gospel a lot better. It was very uh, cool to see how Paul did that with Athens. Yeah, and I'm so glad you caught that because really my goal was to communicate that there are no wasted moments with God. Mm. And that means everything, every story that's in your life, God wants to find a way to redeem it. Even if the story is really bad and there's many wounds, there's something about that story that is universal. You know, our wounds really do mirror the, the struggles and the hurts of everyone around us. And so this, you know, Paul really kind of showing here, let me find out their story. Let me find out this history and then put a redemptive lens over it and start to talk to them about a God who cares so much that he, from one man, created all nations of men, but but arranged it so that they could be in one time and one place to find him. And I think Paul was kind of very clear that, uh, man, our best gift to people when we reach out to them is to find their story, but find God's fingerprints on that story Mm. and then to point that out to them. It's powerful. I think uh, I definitely want to try to do this now or like be mindful of when I'm studying the Bible with people or when I'm, you know, even feeling the, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit tugging at me to to share with someone to really uh, take some time to get to know them and to know their story. I think that Oftentimes I can be just so focused on what they where where they should be or what they should be hearing and not what they've already have, have experienced. Yeah, and I think that's that's one thing that uh, that I was also trying to bring out and bringing up this idea that we're addicted to things that almost work. Mm. Uh, that we we really do have a hunger, and mankind is intelligent enough to come up with things that are very much in the form of God's design but not quite following his way. And that's really where I think the philosophy of the first century sat. Uh, If you want some great history on first century philosophers, check the, check the sermon, but then also a great book uh, to read in regards to this is backgrounds to uh, early, early Christianity by uh, Everett, by Everett. Um, And it's a fantastic work. Uh, one of the most important things that uh, that you can read if you're really into Bible backgrounds, uh, recommend that book highly. But anyway, uh, one of the things that the philosophy of the first century was really interested in doing is helping mankind make sense. And wow. so they talked about repentance. They talked about having a conscience. They talked about living virtuously. The problem is it was all based on self. It almost works much like the philosophy of our day of believing in yourself. That's mm. true. It almost works, but it can't fill the void that can only be filled by Christ and, uh, and of course, the gospel. You know, And so what I was trying to do is trying to kind of create the tension between the gods that the Athenians allowed to be worshipped, uh, which were many, uh, one of the jokes I didn't get a chance to say in the first century, the joke was there were more gods in Athens than there are people, you know? And so, so you had all these gods that kind of allowed the worshiper to feel like if I give, they're going to give. And of course, the way you worship gods ranges from 
food sacrifices, you know, you give them a little fruit, to full-on debasing of yourself through immorality, you know, drunkenness, and all of those things. All those things they believed were necessary to appease the God. Um, but then you had the philosopher, on the other hand, saying that we were meant for more than that. And then you have Paul walking in, presenting the one message that perfectly unites uh, those two worlds because there is something more that is divine that cannot be found without worship. But it's so much more than just believing in yourself and being self-sufficient. There has to be a God who is like us and able to help us overcome all the wounds, all the sins, all the trouble, help us overcome that and then call us out of that darkness. And so we got a chance to study that out, got a chance to talk about uh, Ephesians 5 and Paul's conclusion of that matter. But uh, but yeah, so so I, I, I think, Jeff, one of the things that that uh, I, I want the church to wrestle with is this calling to kind of go, what's been in my life that that I think I need God to redeem? What What is it that I think may have been wasted that I need to bring into the light so that it could be a light for others? As you're as you're kind of hearing this, what are some of the thoughts that goes th- go through your mind as you're wrestling with that concept? Um, dude, uh, it really reminds me of. Uh analogy i heard about a you know a broken pot you know if mm. if if you or let's say you were using a pot for a lampshade yeah you know you wouldn't get any light you would perfectly cover what was the light and it would defeat the purpose but it was only if you take a broken pot that you put back together then light shines through all of the cracks very much like how the things that we experience the hurts that we've experienced you know if we give those to God, God can use those for God's glory. And that's what that's what I kind of hear you saying that, like, man, we need to allow for the parts of us that we think are irredeemable or the parts of us that we think should stay hidden or the parts of us that we don't want to share, you know, or that we feel guilty about to give those over to God and let God use those for his glory. Wow. Yeah, this is one of those instances where we should have done the podcast before the sermon because I would have stole that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're so right, Jeff. I mean, you know, it, it is it is amazing and difficult to really wrestle with that our deepest, most most precious thing that we can give to others is our own brokenness redeemed by God. Mm. You know, when when we sit down and we study the Bible with people and we and we're very open with our struggles in our life, it's almost like for the first time mm. they're being given permission not to be religious, not to make this about sin management, wow. but looking yeah. sin in the eye and saying, "I am going to use Jesus to release myself from your power." Um and I think that's that's something that is uh, is something I hope we just start to glory in is that God has redeemed my brokenness, and that's why light shines through. Yeah, His strength is made perfect in all weakness, right? That's right. That's right. You know, Jeff, I'm starting to think this might have been better preached by you. That was uh, your man. You're dropping truth bombs on us right here. Oh, man. Um, of course, uh, Jeff is Jeff is kind of the 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 assassin of our preaching staff. You know, you you kind of <laughs> you, you see him, you love him, you just think this is the coolest guy. But then when he preaches, 
it's like, oh man, I have been stabbed in the heart because I'm feeling like, wow, that was a great illustration, great conclusion. Uh, but uh, but Jeff, uh, you know, we have uh, three and a half months. Uh, you and Kendall and Vince are going to be holding down the Vince and Bill show. Uh, oh, we, we we may be on the cusp of needing to rename the show. That's uh, that's, that's that'd be crazy. You know, how can we have a Vince and Bill podcast without Vince and Bill? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I think Vince and I both from the very beginning, from the very first time we had you on the show, thought the show should be renamed Faux Show. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I think you bring that swag to it. And uh, I think I think what we're doing here, uh, the reason why the podcast exists is that it's it's not enough just to listen to a sermon. We really have to wrestle with the truth that the sermon brought out. And that doesn't go for the people in the audience. That goes for us as preachers. And so really what this has been has been an exercise of us really thinking back over, okay, what was shared today? And what is it that we need to put into our life? And and so, Jeff, I think that's why your comments are a must-listen. Because a lot of people are going to hear hear the sermon today and not know what to do with it. Mm. Uh, but I think, uh, I, I hope they really listen to this podcast because I thought you added a lot of color to that. Let me ask you another question before we finish up here. When you think about things that almost work, what are some of the things that come to mind that you've seen maybe in your life or in you know the, the life of other college students and young professionals and, you know, uh, things like that. What are some of the things that kind of, man, this is, this is almost really good. (laughs) Things that almost work. I think, uh, in college, you know, you, you meet a lot of different type of people in college. Certainly. And and some of my favorite people would be, you know, people that really were focused on bettering themselves. You know, they would go out of their way to like, you know, they would take, not just the classes that we have to take for our major, but, you know, they take classes to give them, like, life skills to do different things. They're reading books to give them, like, uh, strategies to deal with different things in their life. And when you ask when you ask that question, like, what are some things that almost work? I think bettering yourself as much as you can almost works. But it doesn't solve, you know, the big question or the big problem, you know, with, you know, you still feel like you're lacking. There's, yeah. You know, always feeling like you're coming up short because you can always, you know, it, it always feels like you can better yourself. And then when you fall short of those strategies or when those strategies just don't work and you're wondering like, oh, well, how did these people have success with this? But I didn't have success with this. It's like, what's wrong with me? You start asking the wrong you start asking more questions of yourself when you should be asking those questions of God. And I think that's that right. God is the God is what works completely. Like I think that I think that's what comes to mind when you ask me that question. Yeah, and and I love that because it also works on the other side of the fence when you start to trust religious practices in the mm. same way as you would these bettering yourself tactics. Yeah. Where if I pray long enough, if I share with enough people, if I perform well enough if i you know stay pure this many days if i yeah. if i do this then then god is happy then it will work and it's funny because then the question always comes well couldn't you have done more i mean if if your ability to have it go well is dependent on what you're giving to god couldn't you have done more 
And again, how, how, how much is enough becomes mm. the question. And, and if, if you're there spiritually, where you're really trying to figure out how much is enough for God, you're asking the wrong question. The good news is you never had enough and you never will. It's good news because you have to fully lean on Jesus and just go, you know what? It's not about me performing a certain amount of tasks. It's about me following the right master. Yeah. Yeah, man. Knowing that God makes up the difference, you know, knowing that God fills in the gaps, you know, lets us be able to say like, oh, I'm doing my best. I'm doing everything that I can onto him. You know, it's not it's not I'm doing this so that I can earn something from that's him right. because, you know, I want to do this for him. Well, awesome. Well, Jeff, uh, very insightful time today. Uh, love you so much, brother. Looking so forward to uh, to going on sabbatical, but coming back uh, and partnering with you again soon. And uh, man, uh, bro, I leave the church in your capable hands. Uh uh, I think you guys are going to do well. So excited for the Alberts to uh, start to start to really grow into this role, and of course, you're doing such a great job with uh, with the campus singles teens. It just seems like everywhere I look, there Jeff is, uh, and uh, so appreciate you, and uh, look forward to being back on the full show show. And uh, and we'll see you then. Bro, you will be sorely missed, but I'm very happy that you can take the sabbatical. Please enjoy, bro. Amen. Will do. Will do. All right. Until next time, this is Bill Molden. And I'm Jeff Hughes. And we will see you then.